May these words of my mouth and this meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. There's a certain danger to not having a sermon on paper early in the week. At least there is if you're married to a very supportive spouse, like I am. My husband, Don, likes to make suggestions for what would be good in a sermon, just in case I could use some help. Some of you know him, and I heard you laughing particularly hard. We were at the dog park this week. We have two black labs, and our one-year-old, Pearl, has a habit of, our seven-year-old, sorry, Pearl has a habit of finding and treasuring the nastiest tennis balls. And she may have a perfectly good one in her mouth, but she'll trade it in every time for one that is torn almost in two and foul. According to Don, there's a sermon in that. Both of our dogs love ice cubes. The younger one, June, will take hers and try to hide it in the corner behind her dog bed. And of course, she doesn't understand that concept of melting. So she comes back later confused that it's no longer there. According to Don, there's a sermon in that too. I personally think he would like any sermon that mentioned dogs, particularly his dogs. So I feel pretty confident that at least one person today has gone home feeling like this was a good sermon. And it's not that I wasn't reading the scripture and reading commentaries and praying on the text for this week. I promise, I was doing all of that. And it's not that I was waiting for just the right dog illustration either. It can be really challenging to address scripture that is so familiar to all of us. How do you dig a little deeper? How do you not just say what's been said over and over again? How is it relevant in this moment in time. The Good Samaritan is so familiar to us that even within secular culture, it's a trope that is easily understood and identified. Everything from Van Gogh to Samuel L. Jackson, this parable has inspired paintings, sculpture, satire, poetry, photography, and film. The phrase, Good Samaritan, meaning to help a stranger in need, has been used to name everything from charities to hospitals. We even have Good Samaritan laws on the books in every state in the nation to protect those who might otherwise be reluctant to help someone in need. There is so much that is familiar and so much that is timeless in this parable. It's truly rich. How incredibly timely it would be to preach about loving our neighbor in relation to the ICE raids and detention center conditions at our border. 
how incredibly relevant it would be to preach about the people we pass by every single day, some on the very grounds of this cathedral, who are homeless and in need. Sadly, there is no shortage of examples. And tragically, there are injured and marginalized people all around us. This is a fact, and they are all our neighbors. I'm grateful that as a national church and that we as a local parish do a great deal to humanize and aid our brothers and sisters in need. But this is where I'm going to take a little bit of a departure. One that will point to why I had such a hard time getting a sermon on paper this week. And I'm going to ask your forgiveness if this sounds a bit crass at the beginning. But in some ways, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think it's relatively easy to think about helping these others. To proclaim that yes, they too are our neighbors. We give money, we give time, we give prayers to marginalized groups, and I am so glad we do. Please don't get me wrong. It is our baptismal covenant to uphold the dignity of every human being, to in effect be the Good Samaritan. We rally, we volunteer, we lobby, we donate, and then most of us go home, home to a warm bed and the TV news, home to a different kind of neighbor. I try really hard to pay attention when things keep coming up. I happen to be a of the belief that the Spirit works that way if we're paying attention. And I've had no fewer than five interactions with parishioners in the past two weeks where they have had something heavy weighing on their hearts. To a one, they said they were struggling with forgiveness. Forgiveness. All were deeply burdened by their feeling of being hard-hearted. And they struggled to forgive all sorts of folks, a sibling, a friend, a spouse, politicians, and adherents to certain political agendas. All felt that they were falling short and it heavily weighed on them. So all week I've been wrestling with this, forgiveness, kept emerging. And how did that oft-repeated conversation and that heart-heavy burden of forgiveness tie into the Good Samaritan? I think the parishioner who said they struggled with the politics of our country is what has stayed with me and made me certain that there is a deep connection. They felt an incredible anger and helplessness, a feeling foreign to them toward our politicians and particularly our political climate. And that feeling was bleeding into feelings 
for folks who support certain ideologies. This was where their deep sense of worry came in. These people are my neighbors, actual neighbors. And they seem so foreign to me in their beliefs and their support. How can I be civil? How can I pray for them? Or asked in the context of today's parable, how can I show them mercy? Jews and Samaritans shared historical roots, but their respective cultures and religious convictions had diverged over time. Sound familiar? Conflict was not uncommon. And if you recall that gospel reading just a few weeks ago, a Samaritan village refused to offer hospitality to Jesus. And James and John, those sons of thunder, wanted to respond with a heavenly firebomb. The impulse to destroy is not new, particularly in times of fear. And today, in this day in 2019, many on both ends of the political spectrum live in fear. And this is why I made my earlier assertion that sometimes it is easier to reach out and help those who are very clearly different than we are. It's more obvious what to do, and it can make us feel better. And at the end of the day, we can retreat back into our comfort. How much harder is it to extend love of neighbor to our actual neighbor, to people who look a lot like we do, move through the same spaces we do, who have access to all of the same sources for news and information that we do, and yet somehow, mysteriously, evaluate it so differently. We are only a few clicks of remote control apart, from Fox News to CNN, and yet that distance is so vast. Family at the holiday dinner table, neighbors across the street, folks sitting next to us in these pews. If you thought Thanksgiving 2016 was difficult, brace yourselves. We are embroiled in challenging times, my friends. Times where friends and family are and will struggle to be civil, to show mercy. Personally, I would advocate staying off of Facebook for the next 18 months How will you endeavor to love your neighbor? Not the stranger lying in the ditch, but the actual neighbor who wheels their trash can out to the curb next to yours. I think the first part of the gospel lesson today provides some clue. 
This lawyer is often interpreted as adversarial. I think it's because there's that word in there, test. Who would dare to test Jesus? But if you read closely, this is what civil discourse looks like. A conversation back and forth, respectful engagement of the other. Questions, answers, more questions. The lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. At the end, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? Notice he didn't tell him. He asked him what he thought. And the lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Pray for your neighbor, whoever they may be, whatever they may believe. Pray for your own hard heart to soften. And that is difficult and intentional work, my friends. And I will tell you that spending time with dogs can help. <laughs> and as for showing mercy, go and do likewise.